Uh, if you have your Bible today, we're going to be looking at one of the... You know, I love to preach. I love to preach the stories of the Bible, uh, the events of the Bible, the truths of the Bible. And, and before, before we celebrate the birth of Christ, uh, this, this is one of the most impactful uh, events, I believe, that besides the birth of Christ, and that was the birth of John the Baptist. And so we're going to look at Zechariah today. We're going to focus on Zechariah. We're not really going to focus on Elizabeth or even John. We're going to focus on Zechariah because I believe that we can learn so many things from scriptures and we can look at that and go, well, that's a great story and that would make a great movie and it's already been made into a movie, of course. But how can that be me? How can I be Zechariah? See, all of us are called to be the people of, of the Word of God because of the way God used these people. But there were things in their lives that are very human people and there were things in their lives where they, were, they weren't perfect. They, they, didn't, they didn't do everything perfectly and they had disappointments in their lives. So we can learn from people in the, in the Word of God and we can see what God did through them when they did certain things. So I've got one of those really short 10-point sermons this morning. I really don't, they're really not points. They're like bulletin points, you know, bulletins, bulletin points. Uh, it's not like the three, we're going to spend 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. This is going to be one of those, you got to follow, you got to stay with me. And most of you already know that, okay? So uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. It begins with, and I'm going to read the verses, but it begins with Luke uh, uh, telling about uh, setting up the, the history and how he has read other accounts. And he's writing to Theophilus, and he was a great man of God, and He's, he's letting him know that this is about, this is what uh, God's leading him to write and put down by the, by the Holy Spirit, okay? So we're going to start with verse 5, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation today. Um, During the reign of King Herod, the great of Judea. Now, King Herod was a very wicked king, uh, and I'm not going to give a lot of history, a lot of these things, because most of you know them, but he was just a wicked man, okay? He even had his own family killed. Uh, so during the reign of King Herod the Great of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. Say Zechariah. Zechariah. Now, in the New King James, it's Zechariah, but we're, this is Zechariah, who served in the temple as part of the priestly order of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also from a family of priests. So, man, they were covered up. They were priests from both sides of the family. And he was a descendant of Aaron. And they were both righteous before God, living virtuously and following the commandments of the Lord blamelessly. But they were childless since Elizabeth was barren, and now they were both quite old. The first thing I want you to see is this virtuous living before God. You know, when you study scriptures, I know there's many of you that study and, and preach and teach in here. But it's so interesting because I've preached, I know I've preached this before, this, this passage, but how God will highlight something different every time. You know how he does that? Isn't it kind of cool because you're reading it? I said, well, I didn't see that before. And I was reading this through, and God just stopped me. And he said there were two words that were very significant there. It seems like it says he was very virtuous, but it was before God. Say before God. See, many of us, you, you don't even, when you woke up this morning, you didn't know that God was watching you. You know, we sing the song about Santa Claus. You know, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when. He's kind of creepy, you know, in that sense. No. But God knows everything we're doing all the time while we're doing it. But sometimes we just forget to acknowledge that fact that he is watching, that he knows our, he knows our heart, he knows our thoughts. And so this was, this was Zechariah living his life and Elizabeth living their lives before God. And, and, he's, and, and, and Luke is making mention of it here. Hey, they're living their life before God. 
See, you're living your life before God. Some of us just don't recognize it and realize it that every moment when we have the bad thought or we say the wrong thing and we do the wrong thing, we forget that God is watching, that he's listening, that he cares about us. That he wants to influence the way we live our lives in our everyday lives. Colossians 3.23 says, Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you're doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. Wouldn't that make a difference in our life and our walk if we were, everything that we did, we were doing it as unto the Lord? Because we knew that he cared and he was watching and he was saying, okay, good job. Way to go, Harold. Way to go, Mary Lou. Way to go, Belinda. Way to go, David. He, he said, he's watching us. And so he's watching Zechariah and he's watching Elizabeth throughout their life, their life of disappointment. And he says they were living virtuously. That word virtuously means they were living a righteous life. They were obedient in their walk with the Lord. Verse 8 then goes on to say, One day Zechariah's priestly order was on duty and he was serving as priest. He was chosen by the casting of lots according to the custom of the priesthood. So the honor fell upon Zechariah to enter the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. A large crowd of worshipers had gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour when the incense was being offered. So the second thing I want you to see about him, he was a servant. He was always serving. He was continually serving God. He didn't because of his past or disappointments. You know, some people, they retire from Christianity. They, they, they retire from serving. You ever know anybody like that? Uh, yeah, I used to work in the church. I used to be that. And now, what are you doing now? Well, you know, watch TV and we, I work in my garden. And they don't do anything else for the Lord anymore because they think that, that there's a retirement age of Christians. But there's no retirement age. Say there's no retirement age as a Christian. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get to roll over and lay down and quit. You just don't. If you're rolling over, you better be rolling over and getting up and praying. If that's all you can do, then pray. Because, God, we need intercessors, right? Some people say, oh, I can't do anything. I used to go to the nursing home when we worked at the nursing home. Well, I can't do anything. Can you pray? Yes, I can pray. Well, that's great. Pray. That's one of the great attributes of Christians that we can pray and intercede on behalf of other people. So he was continually before the God, and he was continually serving the Lord. And so he was, he was a man that could be depended upon. How many of you know people that you can depend upon? You can call them in the middle of the night, man, they'll come running. How many of you know people that you can't depend upon? You call them in the middle of the night and they will cuss you out. <laughs> right? Uh, I've got this. Uh, no, don't ask me. Ask so-and-so. You know, before you even get the question out, they were already saying no. But there are people like Zechariah and like Elizabeth that you can depend upon. They were always ready to serve the Lord. And, and so he, is, he has been chosen. And they cast lots. See, I told you earlier, there were like 20,000 priests, they believe, at this time. And so to serve in, in the incense, in the, inner, in the inner courts, and to go into the holy place to serve incense was a great honor. It was a great honor. And the people were like, oh, man, Zechariah got chosen. I can't wait. We're going to call your friends, call your family. Let's go to the temple. He's about to, he's going to burn. He's going to give incense to the Lord. It's going to go up as, as a sweet incense and aroma in the Lord. And the Lord's going to speak to him. It's going to be an incredible day. Everybody show up. It's going to, see, they, they thought it was an honor to serve God. It is an honor. It's an honor for me to pre preach. It's an honor for us to serve. It's an honor for us to give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. It's an honor for us to give out coats and blankets to those that need coats and blankets. It should be an honor. It should be a privilege. We should count it so awesome that God would use us to do anything for him. Anything. 
And he said, just give a cup of cold water. Listen, in West Texas in the summer, you're going to really bless somebody. If they're hot and thirsty and you've got a cup, you've got a cold uh, bottle of water to give them. And you say, I just bless you in Jesus' name. Listen, they're not going to cuss you out. They're going to say, thank you so much. We just have to learn that it's an honor. We have to get back to the place to serve God. It's an honor. We, don't have, we, shouldn't, <clears throat> we shouldn't have to beg people. We've got people. We have needs here. We have volunteer, volunteers that are needed in our children's area, in our youth area. I'll just put this out here right now after I get a drink. <laughs> we need adult, older adult couples to help in our youth. We really do. <clears throat> That's why I don't like this thing so much because I can't move it away when I cough. We need workers in our children's area. We need workers in our safety team. We need workers, 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 workers. And you will think, well, I can't do that. I can't serve there. You know what? You may have not considered it an honor to serve. So I want to put that out there for you this morning. Consider it an honor to serve God. It could be, it's, it's a big deal to be able to serve him. There's a servant right there. He's crying out to the Lord. Verse 11. All at once an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing just to the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear. But the angel reassured him saying, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you for I've come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to name him John. Now, the next point is God's grace is shown. God's grace is shown. What do you think he was doing while he was, when the angel just walked up? I, see, the Bible says that, uh, a commentary said that more than likely the priest had his eyes closed and he was praying before the Lord. He had this prayer he already prepared. Man, he has been chosen. He's going into that inner place. See, he was right next to the, to the veil. I mean, he didn't get to go in the Holy of Holies. That was a high priest job. But he was, in, he was right in front of that veil. And he, oh, he's, he's praying in Hebrew or, or Aramaic, whatever language he was praying in. And he was praying all these prayers. And, and they were probably praying. He was probably praying for Israel to be set free from Rome. He's probably praying, praying for the Messiah to come. Probably wasn't praying any personal prayers at this time. And I think Gabriel's like to the right of him going, <clears throat> oh, can you imagine the start? He said he was startled. And angels are just that way. They, are, they just like to scare people. I know that because every time they come on the scene, they say, don't be frightened. Don't be afraid. Like, are you kidding me? Why would they say that if you aren't, he already wasn't just shaking in his boots? Oh, my goodness. Well, who are you, you know? And he says, I've, I've come to give you some good news, great news, good news, the gospel. That's what good news means. He said, I've come to give you good news. Your wife, who's been barren all these years, she's going to have a baby. You're going to be a daddy, Zechariah. What? Uh, apparently you haven't seen my skin. You don't know how old I am. I don't know who sent you, but you probably got the wrong guy. Think about it. How many times has God said something to you and you said, surely it's not me you're talking to. You must be talking to my wife. She's the one that really needs you, Lord. Right? And so we'll, we'll defer something like that when, when, the, when God sends an angel to speak to us or he sends us a messenger to speak to you or he gives you a word or he, you open up the word of God and he speaks to you. He speaks to us in so many ways. He speaks to us in dreams and in visions and in that still small voice. He speaks to you by the spirit of God and he speaks to all of us. We may not see an angel, but did you know the, the definition for an angel? The, real, the definition in the Greek is messenger. That's why they call me Hark the Herald. 
Angel, preach. <laughs> but I want you to see something that's so powerful. In the, when you read the, the footnotes, how many of you read the Passion Bible? And, and you re, if you don't read the footnotes, you're missing out on a real blessing. The footnote says, in the Greek, this term could also be said, where it says, God heard your prayers that you've prayed. It can also mean God's heard the prayers that you've prayed that you're not praying anymore. Because let's face it, how many of you, you, you get past a certain age and the dream has been dropped off a long time ago and you quit praying the prayers that you used to pray? Did you know that God didn't forget your prayers? You might have quit praying for the prodigal to come home. God, it's just useless. He's not listening to me. He's not listening to you. I'm, I'm just done with him. I'm washing my hands of him or her. And all of a sudden, one day he gets it. I'm home. But God, I quit asking. Yeah, but my promises are yes and amen. When I promise you something, I come through with my promises. So we don't, listen, you may have forgotten, you may have quit praying for something because you've just said it's a lost cause and God says, nothing with me is a lost cause. He shows us this incredible grace. Did you know what Zacharias, his, his name means? It means remembered of Jehovah. God remembered this man. God remembered him. He remembered his prayer. He remembered his desire of his heart and his wife's heart. And he said, I have not forgotten you, Zechariah. I'm here to tell you this morning, you may feel like you've been forgotten by God, but God has not forgotten you. Put your hand right here and say, God, you have not forgotten me. Have you ever felt forgotten by God? Every one of us probably in this place at one, one time or another, you felt forgotten by God. You felt, you felt like he just kind of said, I, I, can't, I can't deal with you anymore. You just have to. No, God does not forget us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And he still has this incredible grace to give us things that we even quit believing for or praying for. Verse 14. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. He's talking about John. Many will rejoice because of him, and he will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink. That was a, a vow of a Nazarite vow. But he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even while still in his mother's womb. And that was a, that was a, a situation where uh, that was a, uh, like a special infilling of the Holy Spirit to a baby into the mother's womb. Kind of like in how the Holy Spirit showed up in the Old Testament, a special dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord their God. Woo! Listen to what their son's going to do. Hmm. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers in tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. Now that's pretty much, that's, that's pretty incredible what the angel Gabriel is telling that's going, Zechariah that's going to happen with this son that he never, that he quit praying for, that he quit asking for. 
I see that as great responsibility. Number four, great responsibility. How many parents do we have in here? Stand up. If you're a parent, stand up. Lots of parents. Did you know that your children are a gift from God? You may not have asked for them. Hmm? I, I was caught. My mother said I was a mistake. She didn't ask for me. And then my little sister that came along after that was even a bigger mistake. (laughs) Did you know you have a responsibility to your children? Do you know that God gave you those children, those precious children, to raise in a way that honors and glorifies God? So, Father, right now, I just pray for these parents. Some of them... Some in this room may have children that have gone astray that are prodigals, but I pray for these parents to stay the course and to keep praying and keep believing. Some of these parents in here, Lord, have dedicated their children to the Lord when they were babies, and now they're grown and they're not following you. But, Lord, you said in your word, if we raise them that way, that they will not turn away, and when they're old, they'll turn back. So, Lord, I bless these parents today and have a renewed purpose in their hearts to continue to raise those gifts to continue to pour into those gifts that you have poured into them in jesus name and everybody said amen Amen. that was just a massive mass child dedication right there (laughs) i love how the uh, passion puts it proverbs 22 6 dedicate your children to god and point them in the way they should go And the values they've learned from you will be with them for life. For life. How many of you have had prodigals come home? Parents? Raise them high. Yeah. I've seen them. I've seen them come back to this church. I know some that lived under bridges. I know some that became addicts. And God redeemed them and restored them and brought them back. He's capable, he's able, he's willing, and he's not forgetting your prayers. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, this is where it gets funny, how do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man. My wife is too old to give me a child. You're not supposed to talk about your wife being old. You can talk about yourself being old, but don't be talking about your wife being old. Men. And I want to just throw this out there. Don't call your wife your old lady. That's a word curse. You may think it's cute or funny. It is not. I corrected so many guys at Cameron County Jail. Hey, could you get a hold of my old lady? Man, I would just jump in. I'd get up in their grill, you know. I just... Uh-uh, you're not going to, that's like calling God the man upstairs or the big, big guy. No, we don't do that. We, we speak with honor. You want to live a life of honor? Speak honor. You know? And if you've been calling her old lady, you better repent and get her a really big, nice Christmas present. And you really shouldn't call your husband's old man either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can, I'm going to, I'm going to. Get even, okay? 
So the fifth thing is that you have to see here about Zechariah was that he was human. Say, I'm human. Hmm. It's not always a good idea to ask God for a sign. Now, you might want to ask him for a sign for some things, but he asked God for a sign. What, what can, sign can you give me to prove this, this will happen? And, and I'm thinking, because y'all know I'm, I, I think a little bit differently sometimes when I'm, when I'm even preparing sermons. I'm sorry. And uh, I'm thinking about the conversation God has with Gabriel. Anybody ever think like that? You know, he had conversations, even had conversations with Satan, you know, about Job. So I'm thinking, and he, I'm thinking about the time that God spoke to Abraham and Isaac and told them that they were going to have a child and Abraham and Isaac were too old. And, and you know, that it didn't work out really well the first time because uh, uh, Abraham tried to force the issue and, and actually Sarah did, said, here's your, here's your maid, Hagar, you can sleep with her and we'll have that son that God said. Well, that wasn't what God planned. It wasn't Ishmael, it wasn't the plan. It was Isaac was the plan, right? So that happened later. So I'm thinking that God's calling. He's saying, uh, hey, would y'all send, send Gabriel in? I've got, I've got a message for him to send. I've got to send him to somebody to talk to. So angel come, Gabriel comes and stands before God, and, and God says, okay, Gabriel, there's a, there's a couple down there that they've been really good. They're virtuous. And you know what, Gabriel? It's time. It's time for this message. And, but I've got, and my son's coming to earth, but I've got to send a forerunner. I've got to send somebody, somebody before him. So I want you to go tell this couple Zechariah and Elizabeth that they're going to have a child and so Gabriel comes down and he sees that they're old and he goes back up to God and he says God what are you, are you serious you know they're did you do you know how old they are like God doesn't know <laughs> you, you he said I'm thinking Gabriel said you know God it didn't work out so good with Abraham and Isaac at first either could you just send somebody else to tell him God says no Gabriel this is your job go tell them go tell Zechariah he's going to be a daddy okay so he goes and tells him that <clears throat> Excuse me. Dry. So he goes and tells him that. And he's human. And he says, I don't get this. Oh, I'm, I'm too old. My wife's too old. We can't have kids. We've tried. It's just not working. Give me a sign. How many of you ever asked for a sign from God? You better raise your hand, girl. I want to see a red bird. I mean, that's for a sign from God. Did it work out? Okay. You see, that's really Old Testament teaching, asking for a sign. And we have the Holy Spirit now, but I'm not saying you can't ask for a sign if, if you want to ask for a sign. But for, for Zechariah, it didn't work out too good because the angel, well, look what he said in verse 19. The angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand beside God himself. I think he's kind of arrogant. Let me read that again. Let me read it in a different tone. I am Gabriel. I stand beside God himself. He sent me to announce you this good news. <laughs> but now, since you did not believe my words, you will be stricken, silent, and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled. After appointed time and a child is born to you, that will be your sign. Here's your sign, Zechariah. <laughs> mm. Woo. Man. So be careful about asking for a sign. You may not be able to speak for a while. <laughs> Verse, or, or number six is that he was disciplined and he was rebuked. Anybody ever been disciplined by God in here? Anybody ever been rebuked by God? Woo, boy. 
And maybe it's because you asked for a sign or maybe you just stepped out of the will of God and maybe you just kind of did your own thing. You walk it in your flesh and you got rebuked by God, disciplined by God. Guess what we have to do? We have to receive that discipline, that correction, and we have to walk in, continue to walk in faith, right? So if you're disciplined or rebuked, that's because God loves you. He disciplines those that he what? Loves. And he, he may rebuke you. You may react some way to somebody that's totally not God. And God says, ah, that's not how I, and I react. How many, how many of you told your children that? Your children have acted up and they've acted up in a crowd of people. And you told them to you take them to the side very gently, dragging them to the, to the car or wherever, by their neck, by their ear. Anybody been drugged by their ear? You, you don't, you don't, shouldn't fight that. You just go with it. My mother used to pull me by the ear out of church, out to the yard outside the building, and there she disciplined me and rebuked me. <laughs> Anybody ever been drugged out of church like that? Oh, see, y'all are just so easy. Y'all probably believe in timeout instead of spankings, right? The old-fashioned way. Spare the rods, both child. I, you know, you can look at that scripture verse, <laughs> just diverting just a little bit. Spare the rod. Spoil the child. See the difference? See just the inflection of my voice? Y- y'all get it? Spare the rod and spoil the child. How many of you spoiled your children? You spared the rod, so you're spoiling your children. Now you're reaping the consequences. <laughs> okay. Verse 21. Meanwhile, the crowds outside kept expecting him to come out, and they were amazed over Zechariah's delay, wondering what could happen inside the sanctuary. And when he finally did come out, he tried to talk, but he couldn't speak a word. And they realized from his gestures that he had seen a vision while in the holy place. Overwhelmed and misunderstood. How many of you in your Christian walk have been overwhelmed by God and then misunderstood by people? And you know what? If you let that happen to you, you can allow that to stop your walk or slow you down or put the brakes on what God's doing in your life. My own personal instance, I was overwhelmed by God, had a vision for God. He spoke to me very directly and told me this is what he wanted me to do. And when we went and told people that we thought loved us and thought we were halfway sane, you know, and we would tell them what God has called us to do, they would look at us like... Really? You? Where? You're going where? You're going to do what? Right? We were misunderstood by a lot of people and still probably are. But we had to go where God called us to go. We had to do what he called us to do or we've been disobedient. We wouldn't be walking in the favor of God. We'd be walking uh, without the favor of God if we were disobedient to what he called us to do. So Zechariah, he's, he's been overwhelmed by God, and now he's misunderstood because really he can't even communicate the way he's supposed to communicate. I told you earlier, he was supposed to come out the door, fling wide. He's supposed to uh, bless everybody with the blessing of the Lord, and he couldn't speak a word. Wouldn't you like to have been there when he came out and you're like your family members? That, that, that's, my, that's my uncle. That's my brother. That, that's my daddy. Woo, 
this is, he's, man, I can't wait to hear this word. And all the people are waiting for the word. And he comes down and goes, hmm, 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 And he probably just finally went, you know, just walked away. That's just, sometimes we don't communicate so well because we don't know how to communicate well. God's told us something and we, we, sometimes we go share way too much. Sometimes we don't share enough. But God overwhelms us and he wants us to go out and do what he's called us to do. And even with the limitations, we go out and do what he's called us to do. Listen, he was limited. He could still hear, but he couldn't speak. And for a priest, that was like a preacher not being able to speak. Verse 23. He remained mute as he finished his days of priestly ministry in the temple and then went back to his own home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for the next five months. With joy, she exclaimed, See how kind it is of God to gaze upon me and take away the disgrace of my barrenness. Number eight is obedience. Grace replaced the disgrace for Elizabeth. Grace replaced the disgrace for Elizabeth. But first, Zechariah had to be obedient to the directive. And I can, you can find a lot of humor in this because he couldn't speak to her. So just like he was trying to communicate to the people, he had to come home and try to communicate to Elizabeth, who was old. He was old. And he had to communicate somehow that they were going to have a baby. Okay? And so he's, he, he did whatever he could to make her explain, to explain to her. He finally just said, I've got to be obedient. He said that to himself. And he, listen, we think, it's kind of humorous that they had to have sex at an old age. And that they knew that they couldn't have children. We, that, may, that may sound kind of strange. But listen, they had been heartbroken for years and years and years. I've dealt with, with couples that couldn't have children. They're heartbroken. So he's, he's trying to tell her this great things about to happen, and she maybe doesn't understand, but he finally communicates to her, and it says pretty soon she got pregnant. So I think she got the message. Could have been the roses that he brought and the candy. I don't know. But it, she got the message, and he became, and he stayed obedient you know what? We read these stories and we just think, hey, of course he's going to do that. Of course he's going to do that. An angel spoke to him. Of course he's going to go home and make love to his wife because he knows that they're going to have a baby. We say that and we read that and we just, oh, I would have done the same thing. Don't we? Oh, I would have done the same thing if an angel showed up and talked to me. But what do we do when God tells us to do something and we know it's God and we don't do what he tells us to do? That wasn't part of my sermon notes. But that's what God does. He speaks to us and we say, well, I would have done that if I'd have been Zechariah. I would have done that, the women say, if I'd have been Elizabeth. You know what? And God speaks to you and he's told you to do something. And you say, no, God, I'm smarter than you. I'll do what I want to do. And you walk in disobedience. And so now when we look at him, that's a great story. He was so obedient. But God's called every one of us to obedience. 
We have no excuses. We have the full word of God in our hands. We have the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And we have all the things, all the tools that we need. And yet we still walk in disobedience. I'm not going to do that, God. I can't do that, God. I'm not worthy of that, God. And we tell God, no, 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 no. But oh, but that's a great story, Pastor. I love that story about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Man, I would have been there. I would have done that. Right? What has he called you to do? What have you delayed? What have you put off? What have you quit praying for? What dreams has he put in your heart that you're no longer participating with? He's calling you. He hasn't given up in his calling on you. Whew, got quiet. Verse 57. We're going to jump on down to 57. Almost three. If you go back and read 25 through 57 or 26 through 56, you'll find that Elizabeth went and visited Mary, and it's a great, great, you need to go back and read that. But we're focusing today on Zechariah. So when Elizabeth's pregnancy was full term, she gave birth to a son. All her family, friends, and neighbors heard about it, and they too were overjoyed, for they realized that the Lord had showered his wonderful mercy upon her. And when the baby was eight days old, according to their custom, all the family and the friends came together for the circumcision ceremony. These were big deals, guys. Way more than what we make of a birth now. We have a little shower. You know, this was a celebration like you couldn't believe. Everyone assumed that the parents would name the baby Zechariah after his father, but Elizabeth spoke up and said, Nope, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. No one in our family line has that name. So they gestured to the baby's father to what? To name the child. And he motioned for a writing tablet. He said, bring me, a, bring me a legal pad. Bring me a, bring me a marker. And he said, his name is, not was or going to be, his name is John. He was obedient to what God said for him to do. See, he could have said, well... I know God said to name him John, but my name's Zechariah, and this is my only son. And, man, we've been waiting for 50 years to have a kid, you know. He's going to name him Zechariah John. <laughs> Zechariah John, whatever his last name was. But he said, no, his name is John. His name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again. Now, look at this. And his first words were praises to the Lord. His first words weren't, oh, can I hold my son? Oh, honey, this is great. Oh, uh, God, why did you put this off so long? Why did you do this to us? It wasn't negative. It wasn't anything. It was like praises to the Lord. Sometimes when good things happen to us, we, we, we forget why the good things happen or who brought those good things to us. And we don't praise God the way we're supposed to. We don't have the attitude of gratitude. And God says, look what Zechariah did. He, he, was, he was faithful through, through all of this. And when it came to the time of the birth of his son, he was faithful to name his son John, who became the forerunner for Jesus Christ. Verse 65, then we'll close. The fear of God fell on the people of the village, and the news of this astounding event traveled throughout the hill country of Judea. Everyone, say everyone, Everyone was in awe over it, and all who heard this news were astonished and wondered, since a miracle brought forth his birth, what on earth will this child become? Clearly, God's presence is upon this child in a powerful way. The last thing which you see this morning is 
the rewards. The rewards for being faithful. Rewards. Say rewards. Isaiah 3.10 says, Yet reassure the righteous, it will go well with them. They will fully enjoy the reward of their deeds. Hebrews 11.6, And without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith knowing that He is real and that He rewards the faith of those who passionately seek Him. I read a scripture earlier from Colossians 3.23. It said, put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you're doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. But the next verse says, for we know that we will receive a reward, an inheritance from the Lord as we serve the Lord Yahweh, the anointed one. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is a rewarder of those who are faithful. God is a rewarder of those who are obedient. Just like we reward our own children when they do something and we say, oh, that was so good. And we, re- we reward them with, with our words or with, uh, with a gift of some sort. But we, we like to lavish gifts upon people that, that, that are obedient and walking in faith. Well, God's the same way, but he just, gives, he just gives better gifts. And he rewarded this couple and their faithfulness. Going back to the beginning, they were a virtuous couple always before God. And he said, that's the couple. They're, they've been wanting a son. They've quit praying for a son. But I want to give them a son and not just any son. I'm going to give them a son that's going to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ, my only son. He's going to come and tell the world about Jesus Christ. He's going to tell, come and tell the, the world to come to repent and be baptized. He's going to set the stage for Jesus Christ. And one day he's going to have his head cut off. Because he wouldn't bow to the king. He would only bow to God. You see, we look at these great stories and we forget about the ending sometimes. And his head was brought on a platter as a party favor. This one, this precious child, John. But they were faithful. Mary and Joseph were faithful. And he wants to come and find you and me faithful. That's what he's looking for. So I want to tell you this morning, the dreams that he's given you, don't give up. Those things he's spoken to you in the past, don't give up. The prayers that you used to pray, start praying them again. Don't give up. Because God just may send an angel to you. Actually, he already did. He sent one today, and his name is me, Harold. I'm a messenger. I'm just saying, we're all messengers. He sent me with this particular message for you today to say hope is alive. Hope is alive in your dreams. Hope is alive in your prayers. Hope is alive. We're, we're, we're entering the season. I love the season. I love the lights. I love the Christmas music. I, I love Perry Como and all those old crooners. I mean, I'm just going through the mall. I listen to those guys and... Have yourself a man. I just love it, you know. I just, I, it's just because there's so much joy in the air. And even when people are not having a good day, but that you can just walk and you can just see, see, see these lights or see some kids just that are all, all bright. And, you know, they're, they're, so, they're lighting up. You just walk through the mall. It was so good to see kids yesterday. Uh, yeah, yesterday. But listen, it's so much more. It's so much, it's so much better when they light up because Jesus Christ is the light in their life. I like lights, and I've got them all over my house, but the light of the world is Jesus. Would you stand?